add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry. Folks, let's drill down into some general foolproof nutrition advice and a foolproof, sensible approach as well. Orla Walsh joins us again this week. She is a registered dietitian and nutrition specialist who's just launched her new online course called The Essentials of Healthy Eating. What are these essentials? Can we simplify it for our everyday lives? Are there vital go-to easy ways to go about healthy eating or is it very difficult and very complicated? How do you develop a better healthy lifestyle on a budget? Is it really expensive? And what other myths do we need to debunk? Orla, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I haven't seen you in ages. I know, it's it's years. A a lot has happened in the world since the last time we hooked up. How are you? Good, thank you, yeah. Four weeks postpartum, so I'm delighted to be out. (laughs) (laughs) Day trip out. Yeah, it's my first time leaving the house. Congrats. Uh, Thank you. So healthy eating, probably more needed than ever before uh, on a global level. Uh, What are you seeing in practice? What are the most kind of common questions around healthy eating or common mistakes people are making when they come in to see you? Well, when people come in to see me or if it's just social, right on social media or something like that it's always like can I eat this can I eat that what should I avoid so what we're seeing now is people are still kind of looking at diet and what do I need to exclude rather than what do I need to include but the tide is turning and we we have seen a shift which is great and people are being more inclusive rather than exclusive with their diet so then now you know, more often I'm getting, what should I include? And we've actually seen this in research as well. So there was two really, really, really big studies where you're talking about 250,000 people were included. And again, they were looking at, okay, what what do people need to include to reduce the risk of heart disease or more uh, premature death and stuff like that? And heart disease is the one thing that, you know, we all need to run from it. It's our biggest killer in Ireland. So it's you can actually see it both in media and clinic and then through research that people are looking at what do I need to include for the protective elements. And do you think people think that healthy eating is difficult yes. or complex or confusing? Yes, but I, I don't blame them for that because it's, you know, there's a lot of myths out there. And the problem is you're very careful on who you might get on your podcast or who you talk to or refer to even on social, um, you know, when it comes to nutrition questions. But the problem is not everyone is. And so we've got people who, you know, aren't really educated in nutrition. Um, The title of nutritionist isn't protected. And we have people giving advice that's inaccurate or wrong. And I can understand why people say, you know, the nutritional advice is always changing. But then when you actually look at registered nutritionists or registered dietitians, actually what we say is we, we say the same thing as each other. And we've been saying the same thing for years. There's a confidence, though, about people on social media, which frightens me 
Because they do stuff that I would never think it's, from an insurance perspective, would never in a million years think it's doing. But there is an age group that, say, generally 20 to 30 somethings, but not always. It can be older, where they seem fearless about their advice in terms of in terms of movement or food or whatever it may be, they're just happy to put it out there and they'll make it sexy and they'll make it kind of funny or whatever. But actually, there's no real backing to it from a, a qualification perspective. Absolutely. And I was only sitting down with my husband last night and we were saying the same thing. He was looking at your page and he was looking at someone else's. I won't name them, of course. No. And he said, wow, they're crossing a line there. They're not staying in their lane at all. So you have people, and I can see it, you know, among my own speciality and stuff, that there's a, a line. You're like, you're qualified to do this. If you cross over, then you refer over. And you're very careful about that. And I hope people would think I'm very careful about that because it is important. We can't be, prof- you know, no one can be a master of all trades. And again, on social, we have that miscommunication. People are coming on and they're sounding like they're hormonal experts and PT experts and sleep experts and all sorts of things. You know, I'm looking in that I have lots of qualifications behind me. So therefore, I am an expert in, you know, a certain amount of things. But again, the misinformation comes from, you know, crossing that line and not seeing that line. Okay, so in terms of healthy eating and your everyday life, it's first of all, where you're pulling your content from. Absolutely. Is the, one of the big key tips. And where you me getting on our soapbox is giving out about it. But actually, it is very important that you filter where you're putting your information, where you're trusting your information and making sure that it's coming from a really good source. What other ways for during your everyday uh, can you improve your healthy eating or improve eating healthier? I think people need to go back to basics. And I know you're a bit advocate for the plate model and so am I. I feel like, you know, it's probably one in two of the things we say <laughs> and we say it on repeat. And the reason why we keep saying it is because it it doesn't stop being true. So the plate model is simply that half your plate, um, you would aim for it to be fruit or veg, a quarter protein and a quarter carbs. And you have a glass of water with that. And you do that three times a day. And if you did that, that actually is the bulk of it. That's very simple, but you're right. (laughs) It is so simple, but it is the bulk of it. You know, it's once you do that and you're kind of going, okay, half fruit and veg, a quarter protein, a quarter carbs, a glass of water three times a day, then what's the next step? And depending on your goals, your next step could be, okay, well, portions, if you wanted to change body composition, um, or it could be, like I said, taking that research that says, what foods do I need to include for lower risk of heart disease? So you'd be like, grand, two, three fruit a day, two, three veg a day. Um, two to three dairy a day. And actually the research was saying regular dairy, not the low fat stuff, uh, which is great news because I don't particularly like the low fat stuff myself. Doesn't taste nice. No, it's a bit, yeah. yeah. Um, then it's legumes. So beans, beans and lentils, we want those two to three times a week. Um, nuts, we want those daily. Fish, we want it two to three times a week. And interestingly with this big study that came out more recently, they said that if you want to include whole grain carbohydrates and unprocessed red meat, then do. It's not going to have that much of an impact on health outcomes. So for people who do enjoy their red meat, which surveys show that Irish people very much do and eat it regularly, don't be worried about that. Um, but go for the unprocessed stuff and really avoid having to... Steak over burgers. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Unless yeah. you make the burgers yourself. Oh yeah, unless mince. they're homemade burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, although with everything, you can have too much of a good thing. So when it comes to red meat, have it maybe two to three times a week or less. Okay, great. People will think that sounds expensive. Yes. Is it? I suppose what I'd get people to do is take a step back and look at 
you know, how they're spending money on food. Because for one, there's food waste. And that's a big conversation because if you avoided food waste, you would save 700 euro a year. And that's a lot of money because we throw out 150 kilos of food a year. And not all of that food has gone manky. You know, a lot of it is still edible. Um, So avoiding food waste would save you a lot of money. And then when we look at it, Um, Again, there's different bits of research, but I'll pull from one. And it says that one in 10 of, so one in 10 meals are takeaways. One in 10? One in 10 meals are eaten outside the home, like a restaurant or something. So again, that's very expensive. Which could be a third of your food shop, maybe bill or maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's a lot of money. Um, Like if you think about it, even from a sandwich out versus a sandwich at home, you would save a fortune if you just made it at home. Um, But during lockdown there, we all found that. Yeah. He, I, I actually, I'm all about budgets and spreadsheets, you know, long enough. But actually, it was fascinating because all of a sudden you weren't having the coffee or you weren't having the porridge in, you know, Boulevard or Pembroke Street at the time or your breakfast, which could be like, you could be, your breakfast could be a seven or eight quid, which would be like 50, 50 60 quid a yeah. week. And you were having your porridge at home from your big bag of porridge oats, which might be three euro for the bag. And that would last you maybe two weeks. Yeah. Like, it, it, the, uh, the cost of eating. And takeaway coffees, teas, sandwiches, salads. It huge. really does. And we know, um, you know, from a, a generational point of view, younger generations are more inclined to eat out and they're more inclined to snack. And if you think about it, if you go in a coffee and you're actually a bit peckish, I'm going to get one of those energy balls or something. And then you're like 750 and you're like, oh, okay. So... Eating out is another big save. So when we look at certain things and go, okay, well, now I'm going to cook from scratch a bit more. And it was interesting what you said about COVID because there was research that said that cooking from scratch reduced from 2011, 2019. But then COVID meant that we were all trying recipes more and um, cooking from- the food sc- boxes. Remember that? Yes, I know. <laughs> they come in. You know, to make them and prep them, but like it was really exciting when it came in the door from the post office. Huge excitement. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And hopefully now there hasn't been research done again on to see what the trend is, but hopefully people are cooking from scratch more. Because if you could- cook from scratch more not only are you going to save money but the food is probably going to be healthier um so and you'll be in control out of it as well and in order to reduce food waste i think firstly eating at home more because restaurants can't avoid certain amount of food waste but also you know you could actually prepare and I know you're an advocate for it and you're actually so much better than me and my fridge and your fridge are very it's you know the fridge. we cannot be they cannot be compared and um, I need to even clean mine but at the same time if if we you know plan and prepare and have an idea of what we're going to cook so that will actually help reduce food waste but Another thing is using your press and using your freezer more. Mm -hmm. So again, when people are looking to eat healthier, they often, you know, think that means fresh and I have to be peeling and chopping all the time. And that's why I try and encourage more more and more people to actually go down the frozen food aisle and actually see the multitude of options we have now. Like we... 
there's frozen chopped on onions. Like you, you don't need to cry cutting an yeah, onion ever again. Pretty much every veg is fro- it can be, it's in the frozen section of the supermarket. Now. And herbs and spices and yeah. everything. It just speeds it up. So if it not only speeds it up, reduces food waste, um, it can be more avo- avoidable. It can be more convenient. Um, and it can actually take the fear out of cooking for mm-hmm. some people because some people just don't have those skills and, you know, might be a little bit nervous. But if, if, if it's already half done for you, it just makes it that much easier. And plus, like a lot of the stuff you're chatting about uh, is cheap. Like veg is cheap and fruit is cheap. The expensive part maybe is the protein component. So as your your is like fish can be seen can be seen as being expensive. Chicken you know, meat, particularly fish, people have a thing about that it's a very pricey. But actually, it's super healthy uh, for you. But the other stuff kind of makes up for it. And like the fridge makes things last longer. Yes. In the containers, definitely. So our food waste is reduced. Your course is all about the essentials of healthy eating. So let's put, let's talk people through those. This is very much a back to basics. What is a carbohydrate? What is a fat? What is a protein? Because I do think people haven't a clue. I think they're just they're just bombarded by these their words all the time. And actually, they kind of they lose kind of they lose a sense of what what they actually are. So let's start with carbohydrates. What are they? So that's exactly it. So with the course, I am trying to make people help people understand the basics and actually I go into a complex level but hopefully I do it in such a way that's easy to understand so for example carbs feed our brain and our brain really doesn't like feeding on anything else and carbs also feed movement especially when we're out of breath and they're incredibly important and when we look at you know the most protective foods on the planet whole grain carbohydrates very much um, are a big part of that what happens is people lump whole grain carbohydrates which are incredibly nutritious and good for us into the same bracket as refined carbohydrates are processed so in other words you know what we need to do is eat carbohydrates that look similar on our plate as when they came out of the ground so carbohydrates you could rob from a farm that sort of stuff um and so carbohydrates really generally for most people and most activity levels need to take up about a quarter of the plate so if it was potato or brown rice or something like that it would be a quarter of the plate however the more active you are that might shift um and that might increase to a third of the plate if you're quite active and maybe even more if you're extremely active but most people is just a quarter of the plate. Okay, protein? Protein does a lot of jobs similar to carbohydrate, but let's bring it down to the most famous one and that it feeds your muscles and bones. And your muscles and bones are constantly breaking down and constantly rebuilding. And they need to be fed every kind of three to five hours to make sure they're breaking down and rebuilding at their fastest pace. And when we do that, not only does it make the most of our metabolism because they are responsible for the bulk of our metabolism, but it also prevents muscle loss and muscle loss is something that everyone needs to be aware of and especially after the age of 30 which seems desperately young it is desperately young but we are at risk of muscle loss if we don't feed our muscles and bones every three to five hours and and that protein source with protein most people include it at dinner lunch can be hit and miss and breakfast tends to fall short so it doesn't have to be anything major it could be make your porridge on milk rather than water going forward or porridge and water is awful oh yeah I life know. is so, just too short some people still still have porridge and water it's like gloop <laughs> but it's like you wouldn't put water on muesli so why are you doing it in no. your porridge listen I could, I could spend days on that yeah, one yeah. but when it comes to then lunchtime, it's kind of going okay well veg soup and brown bread healthy but where 
where's the protein? So a little bit of protein, whether it's in your soup or on your bread. So again, it's just these little hints and tips in order to make sure that it's there and to make sure there's enough of it. And in the course, I go into how do we calculate enough and what does that look like? So a little bit more detail. But if if with protein, when you get it right, the brilliant thing is, is that protein makes us feel full and keeps us full. So people notice their satiety or their hunger levels manage better across the day. And interestingly, in studies, when people included more protein at breakfast time, they had um, cravings and they, they tend to snack less on the less healthy stuff in the evening time. So it has a big knock on effect on the day as well. Fats? Fats are an interesting one because, again, they have loads and loads of uh, roles in the body. Um, They have a structural role. So, for example, our brain is just a fatty blob. It's a complex one. So any neurosurgeons listening will be horrified by that. They're dedicating their life to this fat blob. It is a complex one, but it is a fat blob. And so are our eyeballs. And it has a structural role in our body, but it also helps form things like uh, hormones. And when I say hormones, people often think about the sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone. But really, there's so many different hormones in our body and they're responsible for communication. So they have a big role. And fats also help us absorb um, certain vitamins, vitamin A, D, K and E. So there's loads of roles of them where fats, it, it, for years, people thought we had to follow a low fat diet. Now we've moved on. Now we realize that's not true at all. What we need to do is make sure that our, we eat a variety of fats that our fats come from less processed sources. So much the same as the carbs and proteins, um, but also to focus on the unsaturated ones. So again, it's extra virgin olive oil, it's the nuts and seeds, it's all that good stuff. It's the healthy fats, basically. Yes. Okay. Water? Water is one of those nutrients that people underestimate its importance. And it's the most vital one because we can live for weeks without food, but water, we've got a couple of days. And water, if you're even one to two percent dehydrated, you'll notice your heart rate go up. Um, You'll notice concentration going down. Um, You'll notice things like feeling thirsty and maybe your mouth dry. Um, But it has such an impact on energy as well. So water is one of those things that I think is should be the start of every conversation with anyone who's trying to make healthy changes because it's the simplest and quickest one to make big, you know, to get big results from. And we know in Ireland, on average, women tend to fall short about 700 mils, so um, just over half a litre, while men around 1.2 litres. So quite a lot. That's how much people are not uh, that. So men need to drink a litre more, women need to drink half a litre more generally on average. But you can estimate it. So you can estimate it with your weight. So if you know your weight in kilos, um, you need around 25 to 35 millilitres per kilo. So for most women, that's probably two litres. For most men, that's two and a half. But you can also use your urine as a kind of a monitor Our, of how everyone's well Everyone's just gone squeamish in their ears now, as you've mentioned that. The Irish people have a fun, uh, have a strange association with that word. They just kind of, it's like sex, people just can't deal with it. And like, your eyes one of those words. But I'm a registered one. dietitian and you're just very lucky we've been talking for 10 minutes and haven't mentioned poo once. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was going there eventually. Anyway, eventually we'll get there. Yeah. But (laughs) you're looking for pale color urine. And just remember that there's water in the toilet bowl before you go. So the color of your urine will be diluted further when you go. So really you want to pee into the bowl and not really see anything. And that's good hydration. Um, So 
I always encourage people to start the day with a pint of water. Mm -hmm. The reason being is that most of us lose a pint of water overnight as we sleep. Uh, We're not we in the bed or anything, but it's just from breathing and to natural um, what are called insensible losses. So start the day with a pint of water, then keep yourself hydrated as the day goes on. And of course, one of the signs that you may need to look at your healthy eating is the digestive system and poo, isn't it? I know, yeah, I'm going to sound like that nutritionist who was on the telly. But, you know, it is because most people, I guess people don't know what normal is. Yep. And when we even look at the stats on how many people suffer from irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. they, the stats are very varied and it tends to be more women than men. Now, that could be hormonal, which we know hormones affect gut, or it could be your interpretation of is that normal mm. oh I'm sure it's grand so sometimes the role of a dietitian is showing people actually that's normal or that's not or you know that's too much but you can simplify it if it's a problem it's a problem you know if it's not bothering someone it's not bothering someone of course there are things to highlight and say listen if there's blood in your stool you have to go to your GP and there's a whole host of red flags but your digestion does tell us a lot and we know now that gut microbiome has such an impact on all aspects of health. So it's not just eating to prevent gut symptoms. It's actually eating to prevent gut symptoms and making your gut flourish. And when your gut flourishes, it does actually help in all aspects of health. And of course, for healthy eating, people think it has to be, you know, food labels, calorie counting, an app on your phone where you're scanning barcodes. Does it need to be all of our any of that? I purposely never start with that. So very, very few clients I've actually calorie counted with because if you don't need it to do it, why would you bother? Mm-hmm. So if you can avoid kind of going down to that micromanagement point of, you know, element, unless you're training for the Olympics or the Rugby World Cup. Or- even then, I worked with Olympians for years and, and most of them I didn't use calorie counting. So really you can avoid that uh, most of the time. And the reason why you avoid it is because it's so desperately inaccurate. And that's a whole module on my course and how inaccurate calorie counting is. Because apart from anything else, have I ever talked to you about diet-induced thermogenesis? It's basically when we eat food, um, there's a certain amount of calories that are used up using the food. Exactly. So whenever our body does work, it releases us heat. Mm -hmm. So that's where the thermogenesis comes from. So generally around 10% of the calories we eat are used up um, Mm -hmm. using it. Um, Now more for protein. Protein's like 30%. And that's where the meat sweats come in. Do you know (laughs) where people go, oh, here comes the meat sweats. So they get hot when they eat meat or they get hot when they have alcohol. Mm -hmm. Because again, alcohol is around 20 to 30% of the calories in alcohol are used up using it. So there's that. There's a diet-induced thermogenesis, but there's also the calorie availability. So for example, if you, how we measure calories in a lab is you you basically light in fire and you extract all the energy and that's how many calories it has. So for example, nuts might have 600 calories per 100 gram. But in truth, when we eat it, we don't actually extract all the calories from it. Mm-hmm. So when we eat unprocessed food and whole food, like just say whole almonds rather than ground almonds. There's a greater uh, breaking down process. We burn more energy take it, breaking it down. Yes, and more of it goes into the loo. So 30% of it ends up going into the toilet. So 30% of the calories you've just eaten aren't going to be used or you don't even have access to. And then there's the calories of breaking it up and everything else. So that's why 
calorie counting isn't always needed because a lot of the time when you switch someone from just say a more refined diet to a more whole food diet they'll notice big changes even if they still consume the same amount of calories um, because they're not taking in all the calories from their food and their body has to work harder to access all the nutrients. The worst question they're going to ask you your top three takeaways for people Pardon the pun, that wasn't really meant to be there, by the way. Uh, well, it was. Uh, for people listening into the app in terms of their healthy eating, we've covered a lot of ground and your course covers you know things in more detail, but three simple takeaways for people to, uh, to take from the app. Okay, so look at your diet and go, what, what foods are processed, what foods are whole foods? And try, it's not that all processed food is bad, but try and increase the amount of whole foods you can, and it's foods in one ingredient, like egg. <laughs> okay, there's only an egg and an oh, yeah. egg. Yeah. Um, so include. <laughs> Which should be in your shopping trolley. Foods yes. with very few ingredients on the label. So what's in chicken? Chicken. Exactly. Or what's in an egg? An egg. So or, you don't yeah. have to read food labels yes. or und- yeah. need to even understand food labels if you're buying foods in one ingredient. The next is look at that plate model and look at your breakfast. Even is half of that bowl of fruit or vegetables? Is a quarter of a carbs? A quarter of it? Um, protein. So for example, your bowl of porridge is half that bowl of fruit. For most people, it's not. And then, so go for that plate model, half fruit or veg, a quarter protein, a quarter carbs. And the third one is don't underestimate hydration because, you know, really it's the easiest way to feel better. So if people did nothing else and they're not ready to make any changes, but could actually just drink more and that that includes um, coffee and tea and milk, then please do that. Do know that decaf coffee and decaf tea are one of the things I tend to push with people because they're not only hydrating, but they're full of antioxidants. They're really good for us and they protect us against a whole host of conditions and diseases. So work on hydration and consider a bit more decaf tea and decaf coffee. Love it. As ever. It's great to catch up. It's great to chat. Uh, Your uh, healthy eating course is where? It's on my website. Um, so uh, you can you can purchase it there and um, please do give me feedback because I, I want to that's the beauty of the course I, it's going to be consistently updated and, um, and and changed to make it better and better as time goes on so any feedback is welcome amazing or like, great to have you in studio and uh, it's good to catch up folks I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health lots of content lots of tips and really really simple as ever you know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Instagram realhealth at independent.ie I will see you next week for more Real Health Slong the phone.